brand over coffee conversations are with different experts and inspiring individuals. They may be different in what they do, but they all share one thing in common. They all create, develop, and nurture brands. These conversations will highlight not only their expertise, but also their experiences. And I hope these could help answer some of your questions and inspire you to build your own brands and take your businesses to greater heights. My name is Andrea Ferry, founder of the Creative Brand Studio and your host for this podcast. When you're ready, let's talk brand over coffee. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Brand Over Coffee Conversations. What do Walmart, Zara, Lego, and Ikea have in common? Yes, they are some of the world's biggest businesses, but also all four are family-owned. And in our episode today, we will hear the story of a cigar family business, how it started in the Philippines, the challenges it faces, how it continues to thrive in the global market three decades after, and of course, how they managed to successfully keep it all within the family. Joining us today is Roman Ropol. Roman is the sales and marketing manager of Tabaqueria de Filipinas and the second generation to lead the family business. Hello, Roman. How are you? Good to have you today. Hey, Andrea. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me over. Such a pleasure and uh, hope we can uh, shed some light and uh, explain to people how how our business started, how it all still is happening, and how everything's coming along, you know, smoothly and nicely, considering what we're all going through. Yes, I'm so excited to have that conversation with you. So I did share your current role at Tabaqueria de Filipinas, but it would be great to know more about what you do. Well, okay, so my company, Tabaqueria de Filipinas, we started in 1993. Now, backstory, um, my father... Uh, well, it's a family-run business. I work with my brother and my father. My father's kind of in the process of retiring, but not really retiring. He still pokes himself in once in a while just to see what's going on. But anyway, so he um, he actually worked for the Spanish tobacco monopoly about, I think it was like in the mid-60s when he started. And then he uh, worked for them till about 1991. 91, things were going a little, not as good as he wanted with that company. And then he said, look, I'm going to take an early retirement. And with the money that he got, he put up our business. So we started in 93. And I remember we rented a, I was, I was 18 or 17, 17, 18 when, when I started, I was still in school. And I remember we were in, in a, in a big big house along uh, one of the busy streets downtown Manila. And we were five employees and we didn't have enough money to buy a, buy an electric fan because all the money that we had, we had to put it into the product, into the tobacco, because that's your main item for, for, for sale. And we didn't have enough money. So what we did was we went next door to our neighbor and he said, Hey, I, I noticed you had an, an exhaust fan that you're throwing away. Can we have it? So we took that exhaust fan and we flipped it over. And that was our first electric fan. You know, so that's how we, that's how the humble start that we had. Yeah. And today we have 500 employees many years later. So from those humble beginnings, it was my father, myself, my brother. And of course we had a lot of challenges because, you know, we were, Nobody, nobody wanted, who were, who were we? So 
by luck, you know, my father gained a lot of friends and, and relationships from different cigar people all over the world. And in the first year, the plan was to make, I think it was 50,000 cigars, more or less. That was the that was the plan. Well, in the first year, we ended up making 1 million cigars. Wow. And yeah, because I mean, people got so excited that, oh, he, you have your own thing. I'm going to help you out. Mm-hmm. And um, so that that was that was how we that's how we started. In fact, we had to borrow money to to buy tobacco leaves later on. And then after like five years, I oh, know three three or four years later, we started planting our own tobacco. So, so today, aside from making cigars, we're also planting our own tobacco to supply the cigar business. So. And until today, we're happy to have, like I mentioned, we've grown to 500 people in the factory. And uh, we're happy to still be 100% owned by the family. It's fun. Of course, it has its you know, ups and downs. Mm-hmm. It's, not a, it's, not a typical, it's not a typical setup when you, when you have a family company. Because it's like when you want something done, it's pretty much, okay, let's get it done. It's, yeah. it's easier. If you're in a corporate setting, I mean, it kind of goes through certain process and procedures, and I think it's a little bit on the longer side. But yeah, so I mean, it, 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 it's fun. I, you know, I think for us, the best, the best part about it is, you know, we have fun developing products and just, just being there and just getting things, getting things done and making it as fun as possible. Yeah, so you started first selling in the Philippines, right? And so how did you end up selling internationally? Is it because your dad has always been in the industry and kind of like new people? And how did you get to grow as an international player? Yeah, that's exactly right. My dad, while working for the former company, the, the Spanish company, he, he, he gained a lot of contacts from different countries. He was a salesman. That, that's, what he, that's what he did. So traveling from different countries, you know, inevitable, you you get to meet so many people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so initially, yeah, we did start selling to the Philippines. And then after that, slowly, like I mentioned, we get, we jumped up to from, from the 50,000 that we wanted, we jumped up to a million within a year, which is starting off in, when you start off a company like this, getting to a million cigars in one year, is like, that's like heaven. <laughs> it's like, yeah. almost, almost unheard of. Uh, especially everything is made 100% by hand. Uh, we don't have any machines. It's, 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 it's very laborious. So mm-hmm. it, takes, it, takes a, it takes a lot longer. So yeah, so we, within the next, I think within the first couple of months, we were already starting to sell abroad. And then, yeah, then it just slowly just, just, uh, just got that way, you know. So you sell your own brands abroad, right? So say, for example, you have your Tabaqueria de Filipinas brands that you sell to the U.S. Or do you also produce for foreign companies? Because you mentioned you're also growing your own uh, tobacco. So you're also producing for mm-hmm. international uh, companies? Yeah, so we do have our own brands. So our, our main brand is called Flor de Filipinas. So that's our main house brand. But in the... In the whole portfolio, we've at one point developed 50 different labels for, for different clients all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the biggest factors that really helped us boom our business, um, I think it was a bit of a timing because in the 90s, 
particularly in the U.S., well, all over the world, really, but but in the U.S. was a big, big thing where in 95, 96, there was a big, big cigar boom where everybody smoked cigars and, and everybody just wanted to get into the cigar business. It was just like a crazy, crazy time. Awesome for us, you know, because it really, it really boosted us to, to getting known internationally um, in, in America to start. And uh, so we were making a lot of brands for a lot of people in, in America. Today, unfortunately, we don't have those 50 brands in America anymore, but we still carry well, maybe 10 brands that we make for people in the States. But overall, our, our business model has always been private labeling. We do a lot of private labeling for a lot of people, but we also do have our own brands, which we do carry, we do market in some countries, not all, but in some countries we do. And when your dad started the business, was there already a conscious effort from his end or even from you and your brother to build the Tabaqueria de Filipinas brand, you know, as a brand and not just as a say supplier or did that come after? I'm going to say it came after. I think initially we were, I think our focus at the beginning was to make money. <laughs> I mean, just being as honest as possible. Yes, of course. Um, you know, and yeah, okay, it was important, obviously, to have our brand. That's That goes without saying, obviously. But for the first, I don't know, decade, I'd say, yeah, we, we focused on building products for people so that they could market their brands. Mm-hmm. And we okay. were okay with that. And we were absolutely okay with that because we wanted to just stay in the shadows. We didn't need to, and we didn't want to. It wasn't really what we wanted. We didn't want to go out there and put ourselves out there. It wasn't really something, uh, you know, so it was much later on. So then you said, so in the first 10 years, that was the case. So what changed? What triggered the Um, change? Like, okay, maybe we do have to start thinking about the Tabaqueria de Filipinas brand. Was there a moment? I'm going to say that uh, there there was a couple of, couple of people in the industry one in particular was uh, a very good friend from Japan uh, Mr. Akiyama and I believe he was very influential to this decision well we, I'm not going to say that we've never wanted to sell mm-hmm. our brands we, we did but it wasn't really the focus you know mm-hmm. so but when I remember he came to the Philippines maybe 18 years ago more or less 18 he came over for a visit and um he goes, you know, uh, the, the flexibility that you have in your business is, is, is amazing because not, not, not a lot of people have the flexibility that we have. We're able to make certain products, certain formats that and the pricing, it, it, it's kind of people don't really believe that we can actually do, do what we do. And uh, he he just wanted to focus on the brands that we we had. He didn't want to. He didn't want to create a private label. He he wanted to carry ours, and that's how it started. And I guess it kind of nudged us a little bit and say, "Hey, man, come on, be proud of what you have, and you know, focus on what you have." And and so that 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 was that was the start. And you know, it's been a long road. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not it's not been easy. Of course, you know, there were times where trying to find business was difficult like most companies 
But in the past couple, I don't know, maybe five, six years, things have really dramatically changed and uh, things have just, you know, gotten pretty good. <laughs> yeah. But Roman, what do you think then? What do you think are the benefits of branding your business? Because you have seen the difference, right? At the start when you were kind of like, as what you said, you were not, that was not a priority. You just wanted to sell, sell, sell. And then after a decade or so, you started thinking of building the Tabaqueria, the Filipinos brand. So what do you think are the, the benefits of having one, of having a brand? Okay. Well, I mean, okay, first of all, we had to create our identity. That's pretty mm-hmm. much what it was. I mean, we, we've always had the identity to make brands for other people, right? So in a way, that was the brand we were selling. We were selling the company's name to people so that say, look, this company, Tabaqueria de Filipinas, is the brand that will make products for you. So that's kind of like how it was. And because we did that, We've been in, until today, still creating brands for different people and um, some new ones, some new ones and some interesting markets. We've been able to do that. And locally, locally in the Philippines with our brand, Flor de Filipinas, it's also been a, you know, a bit of pride where we see tourists, fellow Filipinos, Traveling to different countries, bringing our products to that country as a gift, as a souvenir, smoking it, and promoting proudly Philippine-made. So for for us, the latter part, it was more of like a pride-ish, pride thing where, yeah, we could do this, man. We could be a global brand. We've got we've gotten really lucky uh, with one market. Uh, we, we sell to the Spanish market under our brand, Flor de Filipinas. It's become a very, very successful brand for us. In fact, we've been sending containers out every quarter to them. So it's been good. So pride-wise, I guess this for us is like, yeah, man, you're a Filipino. Be proud of it. You know, do it. So there. When you were telling me about the backstory of the Bacaria de Filipinas, highlighting the passion and the expertise of your dad in the cigar business, that was the core of your brand at the time, you know, you were more of a B2B player, yeah. so to speak, you yep. know, you were producing, but it's not, you were not consciously maybe in your heads thinking, okay, this is the brand. Yeah. But that was what you were putting out there. And I think yeah. in the cigar industry, I'm not an expert, but I hear about these things from you, from Emilio. It's really yeah. all about the relationship that you build within that industry, within that network, especially if you're selling as a B2B player, you know? This is uh, true. So I think more than your logo, your customer service, the quality of your product, really it's the story of your dad's passion. In yeah. 1993 with his sons, with five employees in a little shop with no exhaust fan, starting the business, really yep. putting everything out there, eventually passing the torch to you and Tirso. But still, that's the that's the Ripoll business. That's the Ripoll brand, so to speak. And that's yeah. what makes it, I think, forgive the word, endearing. Endearing. Uh, <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's not a macho cigar word, but I think that's what makes the, your business or your brand endearing and easy to be trusted. 
for your customers. You know, you 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 got it. You got it correctly. I think this last statement that you made, and and that's I think that's the essence that a lot of people, honestly, I think they forget in this business and in any business, it's trust. Mm-hmm. It's all about how can you relate to your customer and how can you make your tr- your customer trust you. You know. You've you've been around us with the group, and you've seen you've seen how we are with each other. We're um, we're different companies from different countries, mm-hmm. different nationalities, different personality. I mean, it's just so, but it but it all works really well. We all gel really well together because we have respect for each other. Mm-hmm. We trust each other, and the number one, we're loyal to each other. And that I think something that we in the cigar industry we're very uh, we're very particular about that because you you sometimes you only have one shot to mm-hmm. prove yourself to people and mm-hmm. and your reputation is pretty much everything and like you said yeah you know what maybe our brand is the company maybe the brand is our name but in the end um, it's something that you have to hold dear to because if you don't, then it's going to be really, really hard, you know, um, especially when you start off, you know, from really humble beginnings and later on it gets, but you see, we still, we still have the same, we still have the same mindset as when we started, you know, you, you still have that hunger, you know, you have that, yeah. that passion. And yeah. yeah, I think with the B2B, business it's very important to always note that people do not deal yes they deal with the companies but they are loyal because of the people behind the companies so that's why it's very very important to really make sure that the quote-unquote brand that you have that you deliver everything on time you stay true to your word you know palabra de honor (laughs) you're loyal well sometimes you're not always on time (laughs) (laughs) especially (laughs) now in the midst of the pandemic (laughs) but you have if you have have that great relationship with with your customers you know especially in the b2b and as what you mentioned in the cigar industry that's very important right it Um, is it is yeah, so, okay, so then you ventured out to, let's say, end consumer-facing branding with the creation of your Flor de, Pe- de-, de Filipinas brand. So can you share with me how you're able to do the branding? Because, of course, in the, in, in the cigar industry, it's kind of like not really possible to do the traditional advertising or marketing yeah so how do you ensure that you stay competitive that customers would choose you over other brands speaking about in the philippines uh with regards to sales in the philippines for our cigars one of the things that we're kind of lucky is that we fall under a very small niche market super small super niche uh, and that particularly is directed to the tourism industry okay and the tourism sector Okay, so in the past several years, three, four years, we've been extremely, extremely fortunate to have a large influx of tourism from different parts of the world. I mean, obviously, you know very well how beautiful our country is and, and you know, everything that we have to offer between the beaches, the food, you know, and it's gorgeous. So one of the things that we, we cannot do is as 
all tobacco people know you cannot advertise. There's no such thing as advertising, especially in the country. There's, there's none. But one of the things we can do is put our products strategic to where the buyer goes and buys, right? So in our, in our case, we know that the tourism sector is going to buy. So where do, we have our, where do we have our products? At the airports. We have a big, um, big department store called Schumar SM. And inside there is a, a shop called Cultura, which is basically a handicraft store, a Philippine handicraft store, a higher grade. It's not just a mm-hmm. typical handicraft store. So we have our products in that store. And in the country, there we have 42 locations. And all of these locations are visited by tourists. So we've, and then, so that's part of it. We also target the destinations, the islands, certain islands where, like Boracay, you know, for example, El Nido, Palawan. So these are the locations where we put our products uh, because that's where, that's where the customers are. That's where the customers are. Lately, because of the pandemic, all of that came to a very shattering halt. Unfortunately, as you may know, there's no no flights coming into the country except if you're Filipino. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no international travel, and you have to quarantine and all of that. So, surprisingly, one avenue that we've become quite successful is a platform on online called Lazada. I don't know if you're familiar with that platform. It's yes, basically it's- Amazon Asia. Yes, kind of. Asia. I mean, it's the it's the version of right? And it's, uh, it's been phenomenal for us. We are reaching people that we never thought in a million years would buy our products. So it's actually changed a lot of my thinking on how to brand the product, how to push forward. So lately, again, it's unfortunate because of the situation, but it's still encouraging to know that there are people here in the country that are starting to like our products, mm-hmm. right? Internationally, we have very, very good partners that carry our brands. That is one thing that you know we're very lucky and fortunate. Before all of this happened, I was lucky enough to go to Japan and, and I visited Akiyama. I also visited the JTI Max group. And they took me around to the, the different locations where they have my products. And I have to tell you, they really set it up really well. So you can see when you go into the store, the facing is really good. I mean, because in Japan, you have to go to a tobacconist shop to mm-hmm. buy cigars. You can't just go anywhere, right? I think you can go to vending machines. Uh, I haven't seen that. but So you go into the tobacconist shop. So the, it's really specific where it is. And, they, and our departments are really great. In Spain, the same thing. Super great partners, and all, and all the other partners that we have. Uh, so we're we're pretty lucky with that. Yeah, and I think the point of sale is really important for for tobacco, right? So, like, yes. say for example, I remember, yeah, when we were in the Philippines, we didn't um, introduce ourselves to your sales lady in Cultura, but Emilia started asking her about your products, and she was really, <laughs> she was so knowledgeable. She was very charming. And I think that really is a make or break as well. Where yeah. you sell and who yeah. sell you. Yes. 
Is it just mm. word of mouth that people buy from Lazada or how, how does that work? Well, with online, I mean, we, we haven't really done the advertising too much because we're not allowed. Also, mm-hmm. like Facebook won't allow. We tried to we tried to do advertising on Facebook. Tobacco's not allowed. There was a time PayPal wouldn't allow collections. So there's certain there's there's still a lot of limitations to advertisement. Yeah. So we do a lot of uh, word of mouth. Word of mouth is is the, the 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 number one. But one of the things that we also do is you know we uh, inside the Lazada platform there are tools that they help us with promoting. So we do online sales. Point of sale, yeah, it's it's key. But you know lately. Because of all of this, it's been it's been really terrible. Actually, one of the bigger locations that we had as well, for, uh, aside from Cultura, was a kiosk business called Fuma. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they have I don't know sixty or so locations, and they're situated in the different malls around the country. So imagine a mall has a hundred thousand people walking in it, and the first thing you see is Fuma. So just by passing by, you know the. So yeah, so that's that's pretty much how we how we would do it. So, but now I'm, I'm we're forced to figure out other more more creative ways on how to exactly. sell locally. I, I think it's yeah. a challenge to be really be creative because the Philippines uh, is is not a cigar market. Mm-hmm. It's it's really not. It's a it's a cigarette market. So it's mm-hmm. a very different. It's a very different uh, product, and that's what uh, that's what sells here. You know, and quite quite good, quite big actually. So. Although our main focus really is our export business, which is going very well. At the moment, we're in we're in sixteen different countries. Wow, so amazing! We're pretty, we're pretty fortunate. You know, we're in Russia, U.S., Canada. Um, we have a little bit in Argentina, uh, Brazil. Spain is very big for us. Japan, of course, Hong Kong, to name a few. Uh, you know, so it's been it's been good. You know, it's been a good it's been good so far. We're pretty lucky. And amazing that you're still able to keep it still within the company, no? So that leads to my next question, Roman. As yeah. we end the conversation, what about yeah. what about your advice to our listeners who are involved in the family business? What would be your biggest advice? Stay together, keep it together, trust each other, and just keep that fire passion alive. Because before you know it, man things could change but if you have each other and you have to remember your family no matter what family sticks together so that's that for me is the most important thing and you are very busy yet i know personally that you're a doting dad to a beautiful girl (laughs) (laughs) you know and of course a loving husband but how yeah and before the lockdown you were even thinking about climbing the mount everest with yeah. all your crazy busy schedule, okay, maybe before the pandemic, especially, how do you get to do all these things? You know, how do you, how do you live a life more than just work, so to speak? Oh man, just, just getting it done. You know, um, I have a friend in Germany, actually, for aside from you guys, <laughs> his name is Peter Werman. Uh, I think you know Peter. And uh, he's actually going to start distributing my, my products in Germany. Nice. I remember one of the things that he said was he goes to work Monday to Thursday, right? He's in the office, but he's there the whole day. He's pushing it out, doing whatever, doing what's necessary, just getting it done. 
And then Thursday night, he takes off and goes straight home, which he he has he has a house like by the by the sea. I, I don't exactly know where, but it's like a three hour drive away from his place. And when he's there, he unplugs and family. That's it. And himself. So that's one of the things that he does. And in my case, I'm kinda I kinda kind of follow that a little bit in a way where I'm in the office till five in the afternoon. But as soon as I get home, I turn off my phone and I'm hundred percent with my family. I'll cook dinner, I'll play with my daughter, and then every other weekend, if I can, I set up a climb with a group and I just try to keep as busy as possible and as fit as possible if I can. Yeah, you gotta have fun. And I and I still have a lot of fun doing it. I think that's the most important. Just have fun, man. And okay, last question. What has been the biggest lesson you've learned as an entrepreneur? <sighs> wow. Um I think I think the biggest, the biggest, most important lesson that I've uh I've I've gotten from all of this is be true to myself and don't be afraid to listen to advice and and never think you know everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, of course, you, there's a certain way of how you do things, sure, but sometimes, you know, it's okay to, it's okay to listen to other people's advice and ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask for help because that's why you have friends all over, all over the world. But always be true to yourself. Keep your principles, you know, but keep an open mind as much as possible also. Amen. Amen to that. So yes, please, (laughs) Roman, invite everyone to check out the Baqueria de Filipinas. What's your website if you have social media? Yes. Okay, so uh, our our website is www.tabaqueria.com. And you can visit us there. We're on Facebook under Tabaqueria de Filipinas. And that's it. We don't have any other social media yet. (laughs) (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) Not yet. Not yet. We'll get there. Yes. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me. As we end, I just want to share my takeaway from this. You know, the family aspect of the business gives positive associations. We've said that earlier. It could also easily unite the family as we've seen with your dad and your brother that extends to your employees and to everyone in the business. And that could be such a big advantage along with your history on what grounds you as a company. But I think in order to survive, a family-run business must always be open to adapt, right? Mm -hmm. We have seen that with your company to evolve and to remain differentiated versus competition. And more than anything, beyond the logo, the catchy tagline, and the great products, of course, I think that's really what makes you succeed in this competitive yeah. world, in the new normal, especially. So yes, <laughs> so Roman, thank you so thank much you. for your time. So inspiring to hear about your story of the family business and how you have grown Tabaqueria de Filipinas. So good luck with everything that you do. Wishing you best. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, yep, Ciao. Bye. Bye. If you enjoy listening to Brand Over Coffee Conversations, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Please do not forget to share your reviews and help spread the love on social media by tagging hashtag BrandOverCoffee. For questions, comments, and topic suggestions, you may reach me on Instagram at AndreaA.Ferry. 
Thank you for listening to Brand Over Coffee Conversations. 